We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is a nationally recognized expert and spokesperson on nutrition, fitness, and health promotion, Tara Collingwood. She has appeared regularly as the Diet Diva on a national morning television show. She's the author of Pregnancy Cooking and Nutrition for Dummies, co-author of Flat Belly Cookbook for Dummies and All-in-One Pregnancy, and is a sports nutritionist consultant to the United States Tennis Association and WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment. She and I have been friends for many years, and we met at the Human Performance Institute. What I appreciate most about you, Tara, is your generosity and encouragement to help us love ourselves through our diet. I also think that you're really funny and appreciate your commitment to fitness. Welcome to ROG, Tara. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Shannon. I'm truly, truly honored to be here. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to learn more and share more with our listeners about you and your thought leadership on nutrition and well-being. So why don't we start with you and a little bit about you. Give us some background. Sure. You know, I have always just loved wellness and sport and nutrition. And when I was in high school, I told my dad, I'm going to be the dietitian for the Green Bay Packers because I grew up in Wisconsin. <laughs> and he was like, okay, whatever. And uh, and because they didn't even, I mean, there, there wasn't a such thing back in those days. And so I went to school for a double major in exercise physiology and nutrition. And um, fast forward, you know, I was the team dietitian for the Orlando Magic for 12 years. I've started a nutrition program at um, the second largest university in the country, University of Central Florida. Um, and then, you know, now I'm working with the, the people that you're saying with the USTA and WWE. So that's that's really where my passion lies, is helping p- people to perform. You know, my work at the Johnson & Johnson Human Performance Institute, where you and I met many years ago, um, is amazing because it's really, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're on a sport field, if you're on a basketball court, or if you're in a boardroom or you're in a cubicle or you're at a PTA meeting. Like it doesn't matter who you are, what hat you're wearing, your body is relevant to your performance. And so that's really what I love helping people do is be able to perform at their best, to be able to focus at their best, to be able to connect with people at their best. Because it's not just about your physical body, but you know what we put in our body and how we move our body is really connected to our emotions and our clarity and so many things that happen to us throughout the day as well. So that's kind of a little bit about my journey and how I I got to you today. (laughs) Ah, thank you. And I think it's an important thing to acknowledge that everyone can relate to what you're saying, right? We are all trying to juggle so many things and we've got demands on our lives and we all have to eat. We all have to take care of ourselves. So for those who have not had the privilege of attending the Johnson & Johnson Corporate Athlete Program, 
Could you help us understand the correlation between professional athletes and corporate athletes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we say that professional athletes have a very short career span, but yet us as corporate athletes, you know, are going to be working 30 plus years in our career. Um, The other difference is that we don't have an off season. (laughs) We don't have a training season. You know, yeah, we have a vacation here and there, but we don't necessarily have this big off season. You know, we work 10, well, eight, maybe 10, maybe 12 hours a day uh, for some people, depending on your job. And an athlete maybe trains for two to three hours a day and has time to recover and has time to take care of their bodies and all of those things. So there's parallels between us, but you know, as corporate athletes, we're in it for the long haul and it takes a lot out of us. Again, not just you know physically like a physical athlete would, but really emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And so helping us to, to find that guidance in our life and that purpose. I know you're, you're very big on helping people find that purpose and continue to work towards that purpose of, you know, why am I here and what do I really want to accomplish in this thing called life and, and finding the energy to be able to accomplish those things. Mm, so well said. Thank you. And for us to think about those different components of our life and how are we giving ourselves an advantage by being more strategic with how we recover and what we eat. So I know you've helped people through the pandemic with the stress eating and you know anxiety eating and people self-medicating through food and, and alcohol. You help professional athletes, you help corporate athletes to maximize energy by being strategic with their nutrition and their self-care. What are some practical tips that you could offer us that any one of us could consider applying into our own lives? Well, I think, you know, you you just said it with recovery and self-care. That's one of the biggest things that I see that we don't do for ourselves is that self-care. And whether that's, you know, taking those vacation days and not letting those expire or getting a massage here and there, you know, nourishing your body with the right kinds of foods instead of going towards, you know, that sugar, that fat, those those things that are actually literally going to stress your body, add more physical stress to your body. And just thinking of your physical body as that connection to your mental and your emotional health as well. I mean, a, a lot of people don't realize how connected all of those systems in our body are. So really just, you know, taking that time to maybe do a little bit of my two P words, preparation and planning when it comes to nutrition. No one wants to do those. <laughs> but if you can maybe do, you know, a little bit of food prep on the weekend, that can help you to not, you know, keep dialing takeout during the week. If you have, you know, some some food that you can just quickly warm up in the microwave that you've prepped, you know, a few days ahead of time or bring your lunch or something like that. So just a little bit of forth thought, I think is one other thing that we can do for ourselves that, you know, instead of eating reactively all the time, reactive to stress, reactive to time, reactive to convenience, because all of those things produce not so good food that comes into our body. But if I can think ahead of time, like, oh, if I just prep that ahead of time, boom, I pull it out and can stick it in the microwave or have all those ingredients ready to just throw into my salad or whatever it is, then you're going to be much more likely to eat something that's going to nourish your body better. Mm, Yes, nourish our bodies better. That preparation, that thinking in advance of how can we anticipate the fact that we will be low on time, we will probably be stressed. 
you know you're going to have an impulse toward one thing. So what is a substitute that you could make available? I remember you teaching us about what your body needs versus what your body wants. Could you help us understand that a little bit? Yeah, you know, the the need foods, things like the complex carbohydrates and of course your fruits and vegetables that are giving you, giving you those vitamins and minerals and fiber that you need, the amino acids and protein, the fatty acids that are gonna be in the healthy fats. You know, that's what keeps your body going. That's what keeps your heart pumping, your lungs breathing. And of course, there's going to be foods like the cakes and cookies and French fries and bacon and wine that are more of our want foods. And it's okay to include those, but trying to bring it down to portion and frequency. How often am I having these particular you know, want foods and how much am I having them? So yeah, a little bit of chocolate. I have chocolate literally every day, Shannon. You know that about me. I literally have chocolate every single day, but I'm able to balance it with other things that are on that, you know, sort of want food list and with the activity that I'm doing to, you know, maintain a healthy weight. So it's all in sort of that idea of balance and what are some of those things that I want to make sure that I include because it does nourish me. Want foods, you know, glass of wine. Some of us, you know, would argue that that is a need. (laughs) But, you know, if that's something that you really go for, then, you know, fit it in. And you might have to move other things out in order to fit some of those must-haves in for you. What a healthy way to think about that, right? It's like a yes and. Yes, you're, you desire this and your body needs these other things. So do both and not one in lieu of the other, right? You don't eat chocolate for breakfast and that's all you have. You have that in addition to other things that your body needs and you're aware of that. And I'm glad that you're bringing mm-hmm. that up. So what are some of the ways that you have experienced generosity either at work or in your life? Well, I am working in a healthcare environment, healthcare profession. And so, you know, for me, generosity is is empathy. It's making sure that you can can talk to people and understand what they're going through too. You know, especially with such a sensitive subject. I mean, nutrition is very personal. Nutrition is extremely personal. When when people start talking about what they're eating and how much they're eating, and you know, it can be embarrassing for some people. And I, you know, work very hard to put people at ease when it comes to, you know, believe me, I've heard it all. You know, you're not gonna shock me. The more you can be honest with me, the more I can help you. You know, so I really try to to make it a comfortable space for people to share. And I think that's so important. So having that, you know, compassion for, you know, the patients that we work with and getting their trust, I think are some of the places that I've really seen generosity, both, you know, that I try to model, but also that I've seen in, you know, a lot of other healthcare workers that I work side by side with. When we come back, Tara will share about how to help people figure out their why. With years of experience, Moz Travels is a complete disability services consulting firm. We specialize in accessible travel and tourism. Working with governments, hoteliers and businesses, ministries of tourism and travel destinations around the world, we conduct accessibility compliance audits to ensure your place of business is accessible and inclusive for everyone. We'll teach you how to increase your tourism revenues and we'll train your staff how to recruit, hire and communicate with people who have a disability. Contact us at www.moztravels.com. That's M-A-A-H-S travels.com. 
And we're back with recognized expert on nutrition, fitness, and health promotion, the diet diva, Tara Collingwood. So are there some things that you do that help you to connect with people on that level? Yeah, absolutely. You know, on the surface, you could just say, oh, well, I could hand you a diet plan. And that's what some people think they're going to get when they <laughs> when they call me. Like, can you just hand me a diet plan? I'm like, yeah, no, I don't work that way. I'm going to make you do the work. <laughs> I'm not just going to hand you a diet plan. So I really dig into the why. Because... Behavior change is not easy. Otherwise, we all would be doing it. You know, it's not easy to quit smoking. It's not easy to, you know, whatever behavior it is that you're trying to change in your life or new habit that you're trying to form, it takes some motivation to get there. It might be, you know, a weight loss goal or, again, a weight gain goal. I work with a lot of people who are trying to gain weight, mostly athletes who are trying to gain muscle. But, you know, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to change some of those behaviors. So, you know, getting into that why and finding out what's motivating you to make this behavior change, that's super powerful. And again, that's where the trust can come from. So it's not just me handing them a diet plan, but it's figuring out what motivates you, figuring out what your personality type is so that I can know what is the best way. Like, are you the type A personality that wants to track everything on an app? Or are you the type that's like, I can't even read a food label. (laughs) So just, you know, help guide me with a little bit more broad brushstrokes or, you know, something like that. So learning, you know, how people learn and how people do and what motivates them. You know, all of those things go into um, helping someone when they're talking about, you know, that individual one-on-one behavior change. So that's really what I do is I'm a catalyst for behavior change with people and digging into that why, that motivation is really the the first step to be able to help them do that. Yes. And how uncomfortable are people when you're asking them those kinds of questions? Like how hard is it for you to chisel out? And, you know, I can think about that, the statue of David and Michelangelo said, I just had to chisel away what wasn't David Like, how do you get there? Yeah, it's, well, I keep digging and I make them uncomfortable sometimes, but I know that, and not on purpose, of course, you know, I mean, my goal is not to make someone cry, but if they do, then I know that we're getting somewhere. And, you know, again, they don't have to cry in order to get somewhere too. Everybody, of course, is is different with how they display emotions, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I've learned to push, but yet with empathy and compassion. So, you know, not just, again, push and say, okay, come on, tell me, Um, but really, you know, making it a safe space for them to share and for them to feel like they can get to that place. Or sometimes I give it as homework. You know, if you're not ready to do this right now, let me, you know, have you go home and do the five whys. So the five whys are asking yourself, you know, why is that so important to you? And so they'll say, well, okay, why do I want to lose weight? Well, because, you know, I want to be around for my kids, you know, later on in life, blah, blah, whatever. Okay, why is that so important to you? Well, because, and you do that five times. And that's when, you know, by the fourth or fifth time, yeah, you're really digging. You're really digging into that, you know, that reason. Get real. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's it. That's the kind of clarity that any of us need to make those uncomfortable changes, that understanding of what is at the root of this thing. And then let me use that as a catalyst for this change, this tweak. What are some of those 
signals of unhealthy lifestyle or behavior? Sure. I mean, obviously the most obvious is going to be weight. So if you're, you know, gaining a lot of weight and or losing a lot of weight unintentionally, you know, levels of stress can vary. Um, and for a lot of people, when they just have kind of normal stress, they tend to go towards food to comfort. But when you've got heavy stress, you know, that's when it's like, I just can't eat. And, you know, so times when, you know, death of a, you know, someone in your life or, you know, divorce or something like that. A lot of times, you know, the stress is so heavy that weight loss happens and that can be a problem. You know, medical issues can also signal um, some kind of a problem. So whether you have, you know, significant fatigue where normally you weren't like that before, you know your body better than anyone else. And if you feel like something is just not quite right, it's better to just go get it checked out than let it linger. We know that early detection is, you know, the number one way that we can prevent disease. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I also encourage is if you don't feel right, then, you know, get it checked out by a doctor. If everything's good, then maybe it is more of an emotional, mental, you know, something going on and I'm taking it out with a particularly bad habit, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, alcohol, whether it's something else. And, you know, again, whether you see a therapist in addition to other healthcare providers like a dietitian or a personal trainer or something like that, you know, you can, you can enlist a whole slew of people that can assist you in getting on the right track. Mm, thank you for that. Cause I think that's uh, the self-reflection that we can all do listening to your advice and thinking about, you know, what are some of the adjustments that I could make in addition to being more prepared and planning for a nutritious week ahead but I think the um, the consideration of nutrition in the workplace, and right now the workplace being remote, but soon going back to the office is something for us to be mindful of, is how are we fueling our bodies and how are we encouraging others to have healthy habits? So I'd love to get your thoughts on nutrition in the workplace or nutrition, uh, even like for offsites. I know for me, a lot of team development sessions are going back to being in person. And sometimes I am consulted with on the menu, sometimes I'm not. But I'm curious to know from your experience, what are some of the things that we could add to the order so that there are nutritious selections available for people. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, this transition from home to work is definitely going to bring some of that preparation and planning to the forefront again, because now you're not home to stick that roast in the oven at 4.30 that'll be ready at 6. You know, you're going to walk in the door at 6 and go, what's for dinner? <laughs> so, you know, that, that preparation and planning ahead of time is going to be really important, especially for for those dinner meals. And unless you, you know, have a fabulous work cafeteria, maybe bringing your lunch, um, you know, again, and packing that rather than just scrounging in the, in the refrigerator for something while you're working from home. So definitely going to require some of that, you know, for those offsite meetings. I mean, you know, these days too, we have to also be considerate of vegetarian, of gluten-free, of, you know, all these other things that um, are much more prominent in today's society. So, you know, if you are one who is planning menus or, you know, part of that, that process, you know, making sure that there are, you know, either you poll, you know, depending on how many people you're planning for, you know, it might be possible to poll, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 people and find out if you have any vegetarians or gluten-free. But if you're feeding hundreds, then assume that you do and always have some of those kinds of options available. And just, you know, some 
quote unquote healthier <laughs> options too. So always having fruit, always having vegetables, you know, having salads, um, you know, having beverages that aren't all calorie laden, you know, making sure that you're having unsweetened or diet in addition to, you know, the regular or the sweetened. Those kinds of things can make a big difference when someone is trying to eat a little bit more healthfully. And do we need the big old cookies for the three o'clock snack in the afternoon? Or could we do a fruit tray instead? You know, so don't automatically go to what you think people are going to want and, you know, change the norm a little bit so that we're not just automatically ordering those high fat, high sugar items and think about what's going to fuel my participants the best and yeah, include, you know, a little bit of fun stuff in there. But we don't necessarily need to go all the way towards those those unhealthy uh, menus. Yeah, thank you. That's really great considerations on so many levels. Number one is energy management, but another, I would say, close if not tied for first, is inclusion. And when you're talking about the preferences that many people have, and how are we making sure we're accommodating for those preferences, just like we do in any other way, like accessibility and inclusion. So you are a naturally generous person, Tara. You are willing to share your advice, your encouragement. Like you said, you're very empathetic and a healthcare provider. You you really want what's best for people. What are some of the returns on generosity that you have experienced in your life? You know, thinking about my mission is to find joy in every day. And, you know, there's days when you have to put the boots on and <laughs> go through the muck to be able to find that joy. But looking for joy in every single day, and I know that if I can find joy for myself first, then I know that I can bring joy, spread joy, be joy to other people, people that have mentored me, people that I have mentored and interns that come back and, you know, just, again, just are so appreciative of the different different experiences that they've been able to get with me or, you know, I'm the same way with, you know, my ability to, um, to learn so much from, you know, working in a multidisciplinary team or, or area as well. You know, I learn all the time from the athletic trainers and the physicians and the strength and performance uh, individuals that I work with all the time and the athletes. You know, we can learn from our customers as well. If I have never really thought of them as customers, but that's who I serve. And so, you know, I learn all the time from from them. And, you know, and, and you know that when you've done something to help them to help their performance or you've helped someone lose, you know, 50 pounds or whatever, it's so gratifying, even if you know, a lot of times, of course, they come back and thank you and, and all of that. But just knowing that you've changed a life for the better on a physical level. That's huge. That's huge. And not everybody gets to be able to experience that. So I'm very grateful that I've chosen this field, that I am able to, you know, get such tangible um, return on that generosity just by knowing that I've actually, you know, changed some people's lives for the better. Yes. And all of the lives associated with that life. And I think that it's just an important thing for us to take in is like, you know, who are we positively influencing and then who else benefits from that? And I think that kind of gives us that sense of mission. I'm grateful that you brought up your mission. And you said that in the beginning around nutrition and wellness, like we're not always as conscientious and committed to our own self-care. But the point you're making here is if we don't do that, then we don't have as much resource to give. So just can you talk a little bit more about 
being selfish? Sure, absolutely. So I'm a I'm an early morning exerciser. And so you could look at it one way and say, well, you do it before the kids get up, and so you're really not taking any time away from anyone, blah, blah. But it also requires me to go to bed earlier. <laughs> um, you know, for me, that is a little bit selfish where I, you know, I get up in the morning and I do my exercise. And sometimes it does have some things that I have to give and take where I, you know, will go to bed earlier. But I know that when I do that, I am going to be at my best. If I consistently, you know, if I miss a day or two, of course, no big deal. But if I consistently am off my program, it affects me. But again, I don't think of it as selfish at all. And um, I really do think of that as my sacred time. That is my sacred time that I don't want interruptions. I This is my time to do what I want to do. And I don't think it's unrealistic for all of us to put aside that time. And for everybody, it's different what time of day that's going to work for you. Some people, 5 a.m., they're like, heck to the no, that's not going to happen. But for me, that's when it works. Right, I love that. So know yourself, know your formula, right? Because something that might be really restorative for me and I recommend it to you, you're like, oh, that's exhausting. <laughs> that doesn't work. So all of our guests share a favorite quote or mantra. I'd love to hear yours and what it speaks to you. Yeah, so mine is that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And Nietzsche is the first one that said that, but um, I I relate to this quote so well. And I know, Shannon, you know what journey I've had in, in part of my life where I lost my husband to cancer back in 2012. And I remember running the Disney Marathon. He died in October and the Disney Marathon was in January. So three months later. And I remember the Kelly Clarkson song (laughs) that is very close to this quote um, of, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And it was playing at about the halfway mark. And I thought, yep, that's my mantra of 2012 was, you know, if I can get through this, I can come out the other side. And I truly believe that in the work that I do too. I believe that with discomfort comes growth, that if we can go through some discomfort, we can come out the other side even stronger. And, you know, you think about that physically. If I, you know, go through discomfort lifting, you know, weights and and that's going to increase my bicep strength. Um, but think about it, you know, in emotionally and mentally and, and things as well that, you know, those difficult times. I mean, I don't know anyone who gets to the pearly gates without some bumps and bruises and scratches and maybe deep wounds along the way. Right. And maybe physically and, you know, maybe emotionally. But I truly believe that what you know, what we go through, those difficult times help us to get to that other side and have different perspective. And resilience is just huge. You know, once you can get through it, the lessons that you can learn can help you not only get further in your life, but also can help you to mentor others that might be going through a same or, or difficult time and, and increase that empathy and compassion and all of those things that, that we should have for others as well. But if we haven't been through that ourselves, we may not understand that how difficult it is for some people to go through those difficult times. So, so yeah, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. And I think it's, well, thank you for sharing that story and reflecting on the devastating loss of Stephen and just all that you went through. And I think it 
on there's so many things about that story that were actually beautiful in spite of how horrific it was. And one of those examples is how you use the tools that you've been teaching us about to have your own resilience and to really like you were, um, you know, you were thinking about what is what do I need to survive? What do I need to be healthy? And how can I prioritize that? And I think it's just, you know, you're a great example of exactly what you just said. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger if you allow it to, if you invite it to make you stronger. And if you can, you know, also invite in the people around you, the people, you know, how can you allow other people to help you? So thank you for bringing joy to us and personally to me. Well, thank you, Shannon. And thank you for this podcast. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. I listen to it religiously all the time and getting so much benefit from it. So thank you so much for for having me on and um, truly honored to, to be a part of it. Oh my gosh, thank you. ROG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Tara taught us so much about how to be corporate athletes, how to take care of ourselves, and how to make lasting change. It's essential for us to think about how to integrate the different components of our lives and to be strategic about how we recover and what we eat. All of us have something to improve. It could be our physical fitness, emotional well-being, mental health, or spiritual direction, meaning clarity of the purpose of our lives. What's something you really want to change or improve? What's the reason that you want to change or improve it? Your homework this week is to choose one thing and then ask yourself the five whys. Drill down to find the heart of the matter. What is the reason that this matters to you? Your purpose in pursuing it. And once you get there, write it down. Set your goals based on your why, your truth, and your purpose. Do the planning and preparation needed to set up for success. Join us next week with Kimberly Brown. Until then, stay healthy and generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.